0: What's up, people? Brody. And Jenna. Jenna. (laughs) (laughs) One more rep podcast. No intro music this time. Got away with that. Or done away with that, I should say. We got episode 120, Maintaining Your Body. 120. Holy poop. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is as excited as Jenna will be today. We gotta to catch her early.
1: Yeah. Then I'll get really tired halfway yeah. through.
0: We got snacks though. She's got snacks. She has uh yogurt bars, chocolate chip cookie dough chunks, edible. Which I don't I think that's ridiculous anyways. We've been eating that stuff for a long time.
1: What? The cookie dough?
0: People in general. We've been eating raw cookie dough for decades
1: oh i didn't really pay attention to like if it was edible or not uh, I just i'm thought sure they it were is now because
0: you know everything's so freaking like
1: actually well jamie holmquist posted a picture of him and i was like okay now i have to try it
0: uh, another snack for your snack bag you're expanding to the freezer section though now you can't just i, I
1: can't even just keep it in a you're bag you're gonna start
0: carrying around a yeti or walk around <laughs> with a yeti you have a frozen section and a. <laughs> 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 a- that would be really funny I am not, would not be surprised by you for someone who does that, but can drink a 900 degree LaCroix Mm -hmm. guys. She keeps her LaCroix still. She lives in the back of her car and she has a house now. She keeps her LaCroix in her car. Well, it's like 110 degrees in our cars. Like Mm -hmm. when they sit there all day and she'll walk out, (laughs) grab one, crack it open. Like it's a ice cold, fresh freaking beer out of the fridge. And not only will her, her lips not bubble like everybody else's, because <laughs> she's done it so many times. She reminds me of my like, my uncle. He used to drink, like, you think of the hottest, hottest
1: coffee, and then he could drink it. Like Yeah, I don't understand people that can do that, though. You know what I mean? That's like 170 degrees. Well, I mean, that is what
0: LaCroix is.
1: No, it's not, like, boiling there. I've never understood people that can do that. It's weird. Just
0: get after that hot coffee, like... Yeah, like... It's not hot.
1: Yeah, I've burnt myself so many times, like, on a burner, a coffee burner, so...
0: You remember, you're probably too young, but the lady who sued McDonald's... Or yeah. Bur-
1: that, was, that wasn't even that long ago. That was that long ago. No, it wasn't. Actually, so... Okay, it I was I listened to um a uh, comedian, <laughs> and... Sorry, it took me a minute. Um... And her name's Heather McMahon. I think I've talked about her before. She's hilarious. But anyways, uh, like because of the COVID What's crap. What's um, What's COVID? <laughs> she was going through Starbucks and I forget, like they couldn't give you a sleeve or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, like something weird. And so they handed her her coffee and it like spilled all over her crotch. And she literally had to go to after hours and, like, get cream for her parts because it was, like, literally burnt. She had, like, second degree. Like, literally, she did. No yeah, way. Yes, she did.
0: That's such a lie.
1: She seriously did. Well, here's why. Go like, look it up.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm going to look up burnt,
1: Pe- Heather McMahon's burnt crotch. Burnt yeah,
0: I can only imagine what images would display on Google. I
1: mean, she didn't, like, post pictures of it, but she was well, You said look it up.
0: I don't doubt that's what she said. I'm doubting that it happened. I'm going to tell you why, right? We just had our six-year party, and I was smoking some um, beef and pork. I take this uh, beef. It's at 200 and finish at 205 degrees, mm-hmm. and I take it out, and I put it. It was wrapped in foil and um, braising in a liquid, and I, the last pan, this is like it. 1 a.m., I turn quickly, and that brazing liquid goes on my thigh. I'm saying t- I mean, this is two, at least 205 degrees. I mean, that's what the meat is. And it's on my sweats. Thank God I had sweats. And went through, and it did burn. I mean, but, I mean, it was not no second-degree burn, and it was 205 degrees. Well, she
1: literally burnt her.
0: Yeah. All right. Well... Maybe she was just making a joke. No. She she's serious. A comedian. Oh or what are you calling?
1: What are they called? A comedian?
0: <laughs> um, so
1: I don't even know where that came from. Oh, you're talking about the McDonald's. <laughs> where, did, where did we even get
0: I have no idea how that like, oh, we're talking about my uncle? Oh yeah. He could drink hot coffee.
1: Yeah. That I, led to I burnt Vaginas. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, laughs> I, mean, I so don't understand. Uh,
0: So we're taking a break. We want to do um, sleep part two. It's coming after this one. It'll give us another two weeks to get through this book. Um, Jen hasn't read anything since because she's a bum. She's also been moving, but she's still a bum. Um, So I, out of nowhere last night, I messaged Jen and be like, "Hey, want to record?" I couldn't think of an episode, and then literally. As soon as I said, I couldn't think of one, I thought of one, and it's maintaining your body, okay? Mm -hmm. I think this is something we both can really talk a lot on. Generally, it usually doesn't say much, um, (laughs) even though it's only me and her. So she has some knowledge on this. I mean, experience. I should say experience, not knowledge. There's two different things. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah. Um, She side-eyed me. What do you... uh, What do you think was the hardest part about you starting to maintain your body on a regular basis?
1: Well, if you remember, a really long time ago I didn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I used to make fun of Brody because he would spend like an hour. Would you call me? Like grandpa mobility or something. What I can't hear you? Grandpa mobility or something.
0: No, that's exactly what you call me. Grandpa Mobility. Because I would would do what
1: literally an hour or more on
0: sometimes th- yeah
1: yeah rolling out which now is like nothing but um sorry I had to take a one throat uh <laughs> <laughs> I have three drinks right now she has three drinks right now <laughs> anyways I um I didn't mobilize for a really, a really long time and then obviously
0: oh because you're a young buck yeah a young doe
1: it didn't last long. Um, and then, obviously, the more training that you do, the more you have to maintain your body.
0: Why do you and say in that way. voice, like, because you know what?
1: Because I didn't do it. You didn't what? I didn't do
0: it. Didn't do what?
1: Maintain my body. And what happened? I was
0: broken. Broken. Um, so, but what was the hardest part? For you to actually start that process because a lot of people don't understand, or maybe they do, that it is a process to take care of your body.
1: Mm, I think one, I think the hardest part, honestly, because there's so, there is so much free information out there, but also like. Now, there wasn't. Yeah, yeah, then there wasn't,
0: but. You only had uh, K-Star back in the day.
1: Yeah, I think one, it's hard because finding like what. I guess what you actually need to be doing versus, like, and what is for you, which is where typically, like, a PT or your coach, if they know stuff about that, would help you, what you should be targeting. Yeah, because our
0: last owner at our last gym, he knew everything about mobility.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Putting needles in his arm. <laughs> Anyways. uh, Yeah, I think that, and then I think just staying consistent with it, um, I guess we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but when I did get injured, like rehabbing that was fine, but like staying consistent with it is hard because even though after you're good to go, well, you got to say,
0: you're right. You got to know what you're doing. Okay. You got to know, we're going to talk about this too. Like if, if what you're doing isn't working, what to do then, Mm -hmm. right. Um, you can't just keep. Doing the same thing for, you know, three weeks or four weeks and, and not change, you know. So mm-hmm. I kind of broke this down into three parts. Uh, flexibility, mobility, stability. All right. So we're going to st- we'll go in that exact order. Um, and, and they all kind of relate to each other in a weird way. All right. We put up some polls. It was less than 24 hours. So usually we've been getting about 100. I think we were like 60 so it's actually pretty good, considering it was only a few hours, and I put it up late last night, spur of the moment. Um, we'll see what the actual results here are in a minute, and uh, we'll dissect those as well, okay? So flexibility, mobility, stability, what do each of these mean to you, Jenna?
1: Um, like individually?
0: Uh, individually or all together? Mm,
1: well, flexibility... I automatically think of like a squat, but I feel like flexibility and mobility kind of go hand in hand in my brain. Okay. And then stability is I always think of like more of the smaller muscles, obviously, like your stabilizer muscles.
0: Yeah. Uh flexibility uh and mobility can go together, but flexibility is elongating the tissue. Mm-hmm. Right? It's flexible. Yeah. Right? Mhm. Um Mobility is the joint, having that joint mobile hitting all points of range of motion. And stability is, once those two are achieved, creating a stable platform for that joint to function properly, right? Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm not reading this. This is stuff I actually know, people. I didn't have to study the this like I did sleep. Yeah. Um, so, it actually makes it a lot easier. Writing these show notes was a lot easier for me because... I literally sat down, and knocked these out in like thirty minutes because I know this stuff. Okay. Um, which one of these will cause injury, if not up to par? Which one of these will cause injury, if not up to par? All of them. Good. Good. I it was a trick question. I was setting you up. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was setting. up. When I typed, I was like, "I'm setting her up. See if she I, knows her shit."
1: I feel like I'm not that far behind.
0: You're not. I mean, you're not. Did you vote on this stuff yet? Yeah, I did. Oh, I'm just
1: like two minutes after you posted it. Okay, well, I'm just.
0: (laughs) So, yeah. So which one of these will cause injury if not up to par? And that's all the above. Every single one of them. And we're going to kind of talk about that. Um, Why do we need all three of these things? And why are they each all all important? So why do we need all three things, Jenna?
1: I mean, they're all important.
0: Okay, but why do we need all three? Why can't I just be have stability and mobility? I don't know. Well, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, right? So uh, I can't have mobility and stability because if I lack flexibility, it'll cause the inability to be mobile, potentially in a joint. On more cases than not, unless you have a frozen shoulder, right? Um, and why are they each important?
1: Are you asking me that?
0: Yeah, it is a question. I have a question mark. <laughs> you see the notes? <laughs> Why are they each important? Each and all.
1: Know. Well, to prevent injury.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I'll put in Jen on. <laughs> like She was prepared for this. She obviously didn't. I sent her the I did it. the show I didn't read it, but I
1: didn't know I was being questioned.
0: Well, there's a question mark. But
1: I didn't know it was to me.
0: Was I was going to ask the people this. Hey, guys. So please hurry up and give me your answers while we're recording, even though you haven't heard this yet. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm just saying. Like who am I asking myself? Could be. All right. I'll start putting your name after the ones that are – so you can study. Thank you. Uh, So they're each and all important because each one will affect the other. And if you don't have one of the three, almost like when you're coaching, uh, if you don't have three characteristics that I look for, uh, I don't think you can ever be a high-level athlete um, in CrossFit. Um, But – You know, like I said, if I'm not flexible, it can cause the inability to be mobile in the joint, okay? If I'm not mobile in the joint, it's going to create instability. Um, Instability causes injury. Not having full range of motion in the joint causes injury, and not being flexible can cause injury. So they all three cause injuries, but they all, all three are tied together. Um, You may not understand that, and that's what we're going to dissect, So, we put up the polls. Uh, The first poll I want to really kind of get into is, um, does your gym have mobility, stability, part of daily class? You know, Yes, we do Um, here. We do that every single day. We don't always do stability, but we typically will do it multiple times a week, adding in with mobility and uh, also warm-up. And we still keep all this under 15 minutes, so it can be done. We do a strength, mobility, stability, warm-up and a wad and the we our total running class time is around fifty two to fifty four minutes. Yep. So what did the what did the gym
1: okay. uh does your gym have mobility, stability, do they do daily as part of class? Seventy one percent said yes, twenty nine percent said no. Which is kind of crazy.
0: Right. I mean how many people actually got into that vote?
1: uh not as many cuz we didn't leave this up as right. long uh 29 said yes 12 said no It's still a good amount of people
0: Yeah I mean 42 so it was 50 So yeah uh we'll keep these up obviously and I'd be interested to see what the actual actually are maybe we can re- do a little recap before the sleep next episode but but still yeah I mean 30% is 30% of the people who voted I mm-hmm. mean you know what I mean so yeah. it's not like it's based off of eight people I think if you get 10 people um, you can run a decent poll, um, but obviously a hundred gives you a, a wider scope with more people. So that's crazy. thirty percent of the people don't do mobility stability a part of daily class. Um, coming from a gym uh, before I opened this one, it was the exact same way. It was just it was like looked at as stupid, like a waste of time. You don't need to do that. Right. And the same person who did this, which they no longer own the gym, um, thank God, but um, they also looked at, they idolized games athletes and regional athletes. And You're they, like,
1: what do you think they're doing? It's exactly <laughs> what
0: they're doing. Right. So you talk a lot of smack. You know, a lot of people may not know this, but Olympic weightlifters are some of the most flexible athletes, but they also spend just as much time doing doing flexibility, mobility. Stability training, as they do lifting. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you crossfit crossfit in an hour a day, okay? You also have to do an hour a day mobility. How many do that? We have a poll for that as well, and it's pretty alarming. All right. Uh, next, we're gonna compare two answers, uh, or two questions. How many hours do you spend a week maintaining your body, Jenna?
1: So no, you. Oh.
0: How many hours a week do you spend maintaining your body? Do you
1: think? Well, on average. I would say I was more consistent with it before we were on shutdown. Cause, so my typical routine, I guess, would be to eat at like 2.30. And then once people started getting here for 3.30, I would go mobilize for that hour before we started 4.30. And then we would, I, have we would do like another mobility during that time. and So about hour and 15 minutes yeah. per day. Um, I would so, say now I don't do as much, maybe more like a half an hour before, um, well, sometimes a little bit more. It just depends.
0: Right. So average you're about six to seven hours a week yep. mobility. That's not including weekends cause you would do it on Saturday or Sunday too. Yeah. Like yesterday
1: here. when I got home, I mobilized for a while.
0: You can do that now. You have a big TV.
1: Well, and I have room before I literally had no room <laughs> to mobilize at all. So. Ma,
0: get out the kitchen. I need yeah. to do mobility. Um, so, how many hours... Okay, so we have the IG one. We asked how many hours they spend a week maintaining the body. What, will you read that?
1: Yeah. Um, 75% of people said two hours or less a week. And four, 25% said four plus hours a week. So, okay. 36 people said that they do two hours or less of mobility a week. And 12 people said that they do four plus hours
0: of mobility a week okay and then here's the interesting fact how many hours do you train a week jenna <laughs> <laughs> we doing another pre and post shutdown yeah <laughs> uh, because we just talk, we just talked about because i said that you weren't in shape and uh the shape that i'm you not know, feel
1: like i'm that bad
0: <laughs> you for an average person you're way above shape for what you typically what your high level is you're not in shape and I made that comment last episode and you kind of looked at me kind of like I was an asshole. It's just oh, the tr- yeah. well it's the truth and I'm not being mean about it. It's just the reality. We all get there, right? I've been there for ever since we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so No,
1: uh-uh, you're getting back in.
0: Anyways, um how many hours do you train per week at the gym?
1: 5 or 6 maybe.
0: Maybe. Yeah. How many did you used to train? <laughs> double that? Yeah, probably. Yeah, at least double that. Uh so we asked the same thing on Instagram, how many hours do you train a week per or at the gym per week? Um okay, go
1: ahead. Um 7% said 3 hours or less a week and okay. 93% 5 plus hours a week. So, only 3 people said that they do uh 3 hours or less of training a week and 43 people said that they do five or more okay yeah. so now let's back it up that's
0: crazy. <laughs> let's back it up
2: that hurts me <laughs>
0: I would you to back it up okay because okay. here here's what I find interesting
1: that's crazy
0: how what was the percentage that people spend two hours or less maintaining their body 75 percent 75 percent and then what was the percentage that people spend 5 hours or more a week? 93 93%. 93%. So on average, people spend 5 hours plus working on a week and they spend 2 hours or less maintaining their body per week. Right? So you're talking what is that? 30 minutes a day? If if they're even hit if they even hit the 2 hours, I wanted to go 1 hour or less. Um, I bet you there are some people who are one hour or less that fall into that category. So let's just, we'll we'll split the difference. We'll go one and a half hours, okay? Um, So I'm going to have to do math.
1: But like how? Like how are they not doing? Like how are they able to still work out?
0: (laughs) Okay, so can you work out without doing mobility, stability, flexibility?
1: Yeah, but it just doesn't feel good.
0: It just matters what you're doing. It really does. If you're doing a bodyweight metcon, your yeah. warm up's going to be completely different. If you're getting under heavier or to moderate loads, okay, with complex gymnastic movements, uh, you have to hit pretty good mobility, stability, flexibility because if not, uh, you you'll be exposed. And I think that's what's hard about our our training and our warm ups and stuff. We can't just do a dynamic warm up and hit the wad 90% of the time. Because we're doing very complex things on a daily basis. I'm not saying that it can't be done by anybody. Because even our seventy-year-old or 50, 60 year old male females are doing the same stuff that Jenna and the other animals are doing. Um, so, but you have to be very, very knowledgeable. You have to hit the right areas, and you have to, you know, just stay persistent with that and do it pre-workout. But my interesting fact is that basically for Every 10 hours of training, people are doing two hours of maintenance on their body, okay? So that's that's two weeks. So 20 hours twenty hours a month of working out compared to four hours of maintaining their body. You go two months, 40 hours to eight hours, right? Then crazy. 60 hours to 10 hours. So you're spending one-sixth of time over a three-month period. And why do I extend out three months? Injuries typically don't happen instantaneously unless it's a freak thing. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's actually a compounding of the movements uh, or a compounding of the joint or the tissue over a broad time, and then eventually it peaks to where it becomes an injury or a problem. So we we extend that out. Now you can see why you may have some of these issues or injuries That you've had in the past, or you constantly have to deal with. Remember, I told you, Olympic weightlifters they spend the same time. If they're if they have a three hour session, they're doing two to three hours of maintenance on their body daily. Okay, they have to, right? They have to. Or what? You can become injured. Um, Put up another poll. Do you know the difference between mobility and stability? This uh, was on IG as well.
1: Um. So, do you know the difference between stability and mobility? 76% of people said yes. Uh, 24% said no. So, 38 people said yes. 12 people said no.
0: Okay. And then, how did they rate their knowledge on mobility and stability on IG?
1: 58% of people know their shit. And 42% 42 of people said, what's stability?
0: Right. So... we're, you're starting to see this kind of pattern. Like, this is maybe why they don't spend time on it, right? Because what? what is. You don't know what it is. How can you do what you, how can you do something that you don't know what it is, right? How can you practice your snatch if you don't know how to snatch a, appropriately or correctly, okay? And then, last but not least, what's more important to achieve? And this was a trick question for everybody. And I was on the one more rep and I clicked the wrong thing on accident. Um, but, uh, what's more important to achieve, mobility or stability? What would people vote?
1: 53% said mobility. 47% people said stability.
0: Okay. It's a trick question. Why? Which one's more important, Jenna?
1: I feel like they both go hand in hand. Nope.
0: Well, one is one is the answer.
1: Uh, well, I hit stability.
0: Er, and this is why. Okay. Mobility, you have to have full range of motion in that joint. Okay. In order to obtain stability. If my joint is immobile. And I think of going overhead. if my Is my arm fully overhead? Or is it slightly in front of my head. If I'm doing a push press. Mm-hmm. okay, I don't have the mobility in that joint. In that area. okay, To create the stability needed. For that joint. So I'm going to be in an unstable platform. Because I am immobile to achieve. The actual range of motion. To get perfectly overhead. Without giving it my lower lumbar. And flaring my chest out, right? So you got to achieve mobility, okay, in that area. Once you have mobility and you can reach the range of motion, then you can work on stability. Until then, you're going to be unstable. You're going to be an unstable platform. That's where I see people get kind of messed up is, and we'll talk overhead because shoulders are typically the most complex in CrossFit from all ages. Not not hips, but shoulders. There's so much that ties into the shoulder, but... (laughs) I if I have someone um, like we have uh, a couple older athletes Jeff Randy um, Tom from here they all have really poor overhead mobility where uh, if I if I have them go up overhead I know it's it's not the greatest now Randy out of all three has the best Um, he's worked a ton on that. Uh, if I have their arm out front and I told and I have them hold a kettlebell, imagine doing an upside down kettlebell press and their arms at uh, it's not 45 degrees but pretty damn close. That they're almost flying like Superman above their head. How they're going to be stable on that platform? They're not okay because that that the bones aren't stacked. The the mobility is not there to get up overhead to stack those bones. Um, so yes, you need to have mobility before stability. Um, that makes sense, to you?
2: mm mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, let's talk about flexibility. All right. I found this pretty inter- interesting. 53% of Americans cannot touch their toes,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the 68% can't do 20 sit-ups.
1: Well, I cannot touch my toes. Well, sometimes I can. Okay. So, I always – I okay. think I told you <laughs> okay. this. Okay. Uh, like, you know – have you ever seen people when they, like – go? so, you go to touch your to- toes – then you bend your knees, mm-hmm. and then you go down a little farther, and then eventually you can touch your toes. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, I can do it then.
0: All right, but, you gotta use tricks.
1: Yeah, I gotta use little psychological tricks, <laughs> I think.
0: So, I I knew I knew that a majority of ma- Americans can't touch your toes, and I know a majority of Americans can't jump on a. It's either a 12 inch box or a 20 inch box. I can't remember. It's it's pretty high.
2: Hmm.
0: I didn't know that. But about the, about the sit ups, it was kind of tied to that, and I dropped it in there. So
1: that kind of surprises me.
0: Yeah, 20 sit ups. That's nothing. But think about it. Think about can your mom do 20 sit ups?
1: I don't know, but she has really bad scoliosis, so I don't know that. I'm
0: one. just saying though, can she do 20 sit? You know, it doesn't. It's not saying <laughs> if you have scoliosis or if you're overweight or if you have a big gut. You know, it's. That's a lot of Americans. Almost 70% of our entire population can't do 20 sit-ups. It's a freaking problem, right? Uh, touching your toes, is that a problem? Uh, most people would say no. I say yes because what's the most chronic issue on most Americans that work out or do not work out? What kind of pain? What would you say? What kind of pain, what kind of chronic pain do most Americans have that back. work? Lower back, Right and we're going to talk about the flexibility aspect of this cuz 53% of the Americans um i would bet you i would bet you 80% people uh in america have lower back issues right mm-hmm. uh it could be weak core that's number 1 two uh you could have you sit too much
1: i think hip flexors would be i feel like hip training, flexors uh, is more than like your core
0: yeah uh, i'm going to say core first and i and the only reason i see it is cuz i see it when we get training going through the training course. We have a hollow rock slash V up wad or a, a V up workout, but we have hollow rocks as well. Um, 99.999% of the people, when we're in the hollow hollow rock portion of it, they can't finish I like shaking. No, um, uh. they they fill in their lower back. 99.9% of the people they fill in their lower back because remember, CrossFit is core to extremity. We create, uh, we have to have the stronger your core is the more powerful we are to the extremities, right? Mm-hmm. I know when my core shrinks down, I'm weaker all around from squat to pressing to whatever it is, right? Um, so if you got that quarantine core, then we need to get that bad boy back going. Um, so can you touch your toes while keeping your knees straight, feet together?
1: Nope.
0: Nope? Okay. I've
1: well, never been able to.
0: Why is this a good quick test? All right, pelvic tilt. Hamstrings connect to the pelvis, and this will cause hip flexor issues, right? So if my hamstrings are tight, right, they're going to cause a pelvic tilt, right, which in return will cause your hip flexors to be tight up front. Why? Because your pelvis is actually tilted backwards due to the hamstrings being tight, pulling down on the pelvis. So we say, hey, I need to engage my hamstrings. Um, that's cool. Well, I can't, right? Think of going to a deadlift bar. Can you walk up to a, a barbell that you're going to deadlift, have your shins touch it. Keep your legs completely locked out. Hinge at the hips. Reach over and wrap both hands around the bar. And then sit down into it and load your hamstrings. There's a lot of people who can't do that. Why? Because their hamstring flexibility is messed up. It will dump to your hip flexor, right? So uh, a really quick test is that keep feet together. Okay, no, no, not apart. Together, toes forward. Knees locked out. Can you touch your toes? You want to keep testing that. It's the most simple test, right? Um, I think it's a quick test on the hamstring flexibility, um, and you can see improvement. Uh, I'd say a really cool thing to do is when you get up out of bed, um, if you're having some lower back issues or um, your hips feel tight, uh, if you take a shower in the morning, just sit there and before you even get in the shower, put your feet together and just kind of put your arms, like cross your arms and just let it pull your chest to the floor. And just hold that. Watch how far your arms will actually travel when you first wake up. It's pretty crazy. Like we've been laying there for six to eight hours. Sometimes, you know, if you're Jenna 12. But <laughs> <laughs> she basically has to do therapy when she gets up because she's been <laughs> laying there for so long. And, I like
1: a grandpa and Willy Wonka.
0: <laughs> and, um, but watch what that does. And I guarantee you, you can even do that in the shower. If you take a hot, hot shower, let that the warmth of the hot shower, the steam... And just do that. I, I promise you, you'll feel pretty good after doing that. Another quick test is a V-sit. This is pretty st- standard. Uh, you know, you're know, you going to sit on your butt. Legs are going to be out uh, 45 degrees. Okay? Can you get your chest past 45 degrees without your knees bending or assistance, meaning pushing on the back? Right. So toes are up. Legs are completely straight. You're going to take your chest, and you're going to try to lean towards the floor. Can you get past 45 – not the 45, past 45 degrees? Your end goal will be get your chest to the floor. Can you get your chest to the floor?
1: I can't even sit up straight, I don't think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and it's funny, right? Because you just put the hypervolt on the hamstrings before we started this and what'd you do?
1: Yeah, I started cringing and cringing, falling yes. forward.
0: <laughs> right. So um This is another this this is gonna test hamstring and adductor abductor um flexibility.
1: And I will say, though, I was doing that a lot and I didn't make a lot of improvements.
2: What? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, shocker. Uh, What do these two tests show? Okay, not having flexibility is one of the biggest reasons leading to injury. And that's my opinion. Okay, and that's in CrossFit, Olympic lifting, I would say even daily life, right? Um, I would say anybody who does yoga, they typically are going to be okay and aren't going to pull something. Okay, doesn't mean they won't hurt themselves. But
1: I hurt myself doing yoga
0: this. okay, not once, Jenna, and not getting into a pose. Of course, you. okay? you did yoga a while back. I remember you. And then you go like to this acrobatic like you don't even do like the basic. Hey, can I get a block because I can't cheat position? You're doing like freaking tricks and shit.
1: Yeah, that was actually how I hurt myself. (laughs) I did acro yoga and I was the base. So I was like laying on the floor. Nope.
0: You're a typical CrossFitter, man. That is uh, That
1: killed my back.
0: Um. Okay, so your muscles are already tight, when we and then we load them, right? So if your hamstrings are tight, right, and then we go to load them, that's when we start becoming – we have bigger issues, right? Now we're increasing the pressure and the stress on that tissue, okay? And then we also load them under fatigue. So in CrossFit, we don't just do one rep typically unless we're maxing out, right? And prior to maxing out, I actually – I say we become less injured on max outs than we do workouts. Why? Because we're not in extreme fatigue. Um, while we may not injure the muscle, they are connected to something, and that something will cause the body. <coughs> excuse me. Something will cause the body to get out of position, and in return, you're going to injure yourself, right? So, if something's tight and I load it. Okay, our, remember, I've, told, I've said this a long time ago, our bodies will do whatever it says. If I say squat and you have the most horrendous squat, you body, your body will squat. You're just going to look really freaking weird, okay? I've seen some really bad squats, right? Think of a kid, a kid who don't have like maybe six to eight, don't have a lot of body control yet, and you tell them to do an air squat. It's really funky, okay? Even though they have the mobility, the flexibility to do it, uh, they're actually very unstable, right, in the joints, <clears throat> Um, but if I load a muscle, it's tight already, I'm going to still deadlift, but maybe I can't get my butt down just a little bit lower to get the hamstrings fully engaged. And I'm hitting at the end range of motion. My butt's just a little too high. Now I have my butt's really high in a deadlift, but my femur length Is completely has everything to do with that. Your short athletes have a a different deadlift setup than someone like me or Jenna. Our butts are much higher, okay? Um, But if I load a loaded muscle already under tension because you can't touch your toes, we are going to potentially have catastrophic failure somewhere where it connects, right? So here's an example. So as Jenna was just talking about hip flexors, right? So Tight hip flexor, it connects to the T12, so in your thoracic, to the L4, lower lumbar, and also connects, so your psoas connects to those points in your spine, okay? Then they branch off and they come down and it connects into your femur at the bottom, okay? So psoas, hip flexor, same thing, right? Um, tight psoas, hip flexor, causes your chest to go forward when squatting. So if you're squatting and your hip flexors are tight, you're, you run out of, the range of motion for your hips to sit down into that squat. So what ends up happening, you can't sit your butt down any further because your hips are too tight. Your chest will counterbalance, okay? Think if you ever see anybody go really forward, extremely forward with their chest, um, first thing I look is tight hips. Second, I look at ankle mobility slash calf issues, okay? So chest is going forward in a squat, and this return causes the lower lumbar, which is already under load because my hamstrings are tight which is causing my hip flexors to be tight right this connects to your L4 through your L4 lower lumbar so my lower back is already going to be kind of lit so lower back is going to get loaded and it's going to cause it to slightly round okay and when i say slightly it is ever so slightly that back from thoracic down to your hip should be a perfect straight line if there isn't any small if there's any small rounding in that lower back that's the most dangerous not the upper back rounding the lower back rounding a lot of people are like oh man your back was so rounded on deadlift that's okay some of your best lifters in the world uh for deadlift they will start with a rounded back they will maintain a rounded back all the way from the pull to they stand in an upright position okay the shoulders will slightly roll back then it's okay the injury causes or the when injury happens it's the a sudden change of movement, going straight to round or round to straight. It's that quick, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: boom that causes the issue. It's like a snapping sensation, right? The lower back, that should never, ever, ever be rounded, okay? It should not be rounded. All right, so this can lead to becoming quad dominant. Right, which is bad. Jenna knows all about that mm-hmm. in your squat, and it can lead to labrum issues. Mm-hmm. Right, Jenna knows about that and calf tightness. So, chest leaning forward can cause you to become quad dominant. Why? Because the weight's in your toes. Right now, instead of driving through the heels using the glutes, we're using our toes, pushing through our toes. We're going to switch to quads. A back squat, we should not fill in our quads, it should be posterior chain, glute, hamstrings, midline. Calf tightness, uh, this will also, if I'm on my tiptoes, imagine walking your tiptoes or loading uh, weight on your tiptoes under a maximum load or a moderate load, and you do multiple reps. Your calves are now going to be lit. Tight calves, ankle mobility, along with tight hip flexor, will cause that chest to go forward. Alright, this makes sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So in return, the psoas connecting to your vertebrae, specifically the lumbar region, Mixed with tight hamstrings, this is going to lead to a catastrophic failure, right? Because now I got two two things pulling against each other. I have my hamstrings pulling my pelvis in a tilt. Okay. Now my psoas hip flexor is connected to my lower lumbar, right? So to access it, we go through right by the belly, but actually we access it through the deep into it by the spine. And Now that's being pulled forward because my hips are tight because my hamstrings are tight. Now I'm loading my hamstrings and my hip flexors under a moderate load. Why do you think our lower back's going to go? Why do we have that lower back injury, right? And if you have a mid or a weak midline on top of that and you can't hold specific weight, people get married to belts and most people don't even know how to use a belt. But even if you know how to use a belt, you're going to have to go to the belt a lot sooner um, than you should. And we usually don't go to a belt in here unless it's above 80% on our lifts. Okay. So those two things combined will lead to a catastrophic failure and lead to those lower back nagging injuries that you just, you're looking every other place. You think it's your lower back when in reality it's your psoas. And then in reality, it's actually because your hamstrings are tight. Just keep your minds open. All right, tight lats. This is another one. i um, have seeing this very, very often, and I've kind of talked about this on the pack, podcast briefly. So when we go overhead doing rig work, okay, when the when the lats are tight and not able to maintain position due to tightness, internal rotation happens, right, and then we we get the soreness on the front side of your shoulder. So while many may treat the bicep slash rotator, it's actually secondary to your lat. The overloading in a bad position will cause rotator issues. So a lot of times, I'm uh, for probably the last year, I'm seeing a lot of front side uh, shoulder issues. Okay, and I've always before this has have treated the pec la, or pec bicep, um, dig maybe into the rotators, and what I was finding it just wasn't going away, and so I'm like, well, shit, I don't. So I had to look somewhere else. What would cause me to achieve? Internal rotation, front side shoulder issues, and I started looking at lats, right? So lats are very, very, very sneaky, okay? They will cause a lot of problems, be the primary cause, but we get a lot of second, secondary issues from lats being tight, right? So <clears throat> will stretching alone allow you to become flexible? What do you think? Will stretching alone allow you to become flexible? No. In most cases, yes, but in some, no. I mean, the answer is right there. I had to do is look at your notes.
1: Yeah, but I just think back about how we always want us to stretch and then... No. <coughs> um,
0: I want you to do what first?
1: Oh, wait. Smash, then stretch.
0: Smash, then stretch. So, the question was, will stretching alone allow you to become flexible? In most cases, yes, but in some, no. So, she's she's right. Yes and no. There's some cases why. Uh, it won't all right, so we're on the mobility mobility uh to obtain mobility in a joint slash position, we must first be able to reach that position. We're kind of talking about this earlier with the guys, the older guys <coughs> I have to be able to re- reach that position, so let's say I say, hey jeff i you try to get overhead and he's as locked out as you can, and next thing you know he Arches his lower back, and now he's way overhead. And then he arches his back even more. Now his arms are in perfect position. But we have a broken midline now, and that's bad. Everything's now going to be loaded on his thoracic and his lower lumbar region. So yes, he did get overhead, right? He did achieve where I wanted, but not in proper position. He does not have mobility in that joint. But, like I said, he may actually be lacking flexibility in those areas, in his lats, Um, to achieve that. So he has to overcompensate with the lower back thoracic hip hinge, come out of position, right? To get overhead. So most people have mobile joints, but yet can't reach that joint properly due to flexibility issues. That's what this is. If his lats are super tight, right? Let's go to you so we can talk. When your lats are tight, what's that feel like when you got to go overhead?
2: You ever feel like it's ripping I mean, off the bone, like yeah. right underneath Mainly, the armpit.
0: Yeah, I was to say that. yeah. So it feels like it's ripping off the bone. It's deep inside, underneath the armpit, like where the lat and armpit kind of merge, and uh, that is because your lat connects to connects to humerus. That's what's happening, right? She's going overhead. She's achieving this position. She knows that her head needs to be through midline, lockdown overhead. Well she's loading this now and it feels like it's going to detach off the bone. And I've been there, I'm there right now with my left side. So we can't always just say, oh, let's do mobility and get there. Sometimes we have to do the flexibility, right? The flexibility will feed into the the mobility will, I'm sorry, the flexibility will feed into the mobility and allow you to become mobile in that joint. But we can't skip that process, right? Because if Jenna goes over there, and she's really out, rolled out her lats, but then she actually stretches them for, you know, two minutes or so on each side. She'll start feeling better. She'll feel better. It won't hurt as much. It'll kind of, like, kind of let go, right? Because now the tissue's elongated. She will have that pulling down on her humerus every time she goes overhead and causing internal rotation, all right? So with that said, mobility can aid in flexibility, all right? So this is where they're connected. They intertwine. Sometimes we cannot achieve flexibility due to our tissue being immobile, right? So that's what we're talking about with the lats. We can't achieve flexibility because our tissue is immobile. The fibers become intertwined so greatly that the, the fascia needs to be released by a tool. Think of lacrosse ball, so right. I've been using a lot of acumobility mobility stuff. Uh, muscle tampers, we have an 80-pound, 280-pound uh, tampers here that we use for quads. We roll our lats, it's not forgiving. We have rumble rollers, regular rollers. These are all some of the tools, okay? And what do these actually do? Direct pressure, side-to-side movement, peeling back the layers of the tissue. This allows most of the time to give muscle the relief it needs to move freely. In return, that will allow for greater mobility in that area to reach full range of motion. So Jenna was talking a little bit ago. She said smash, then stretch, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So a lot of times where I see the issue people go backwards they stretch then smash well if i stretch tissue that's bound up okay it won't stretch
2: mm-hmm.
0: a lot of times it won't okay so what do we have to do we have to kind of reverse that we want to smash that tissue try to get it from being unbound get those little nodules of the rumble roller <laughs> deep in the tissue that just you know ma- takes your breath away or you know get that lacrosse ball in the you know Center part of your butt cheek and knock out that piriformis where it just makes you cringe. Um, calf smash with the barbell, um, you know, another good one. Lat roll for you know, Jenna is huge. Anything on her pecs is, is big for her too. Get in there and then let's stretch it, right? We have to break this tissue up, and that's why we have these tools. They're not just for whatever, they're not, they actually do work, right? and. This is stopping short of going to a PT and getting needled be- before every time you work out, right? Because needling, there is a point to needle, um, but that's after extreme clas- cases where sometimes we get married to mobility tools and they don't always work, right? They just don't. It's, sometimes they cannot break up that tissue. And that's when you got to get some needles dropped. And um, you know it's not the most pleasant thing, but it is very effective, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, what's your favorite mobility tool, Jenna, like, that you use? Like, I know roller could be it, but, like, what's, like, your go-to mobility thing that you do daily, every single day?
1: Mm, I like stretching, but uh, so it's not even really a tool, I guess. Like, the first thing I do (laughs) is grab a roller, and then I crack my back (laughs) because it feels good. Right. And then I typically will do, like, my lats, and my glutes, because I feel like those are always really tight. Um, and I don't know. I don't really have, like, a favorite tool. I like stretching. I mean, I don't really like it, but if I had to choose something to do, it would be more stretching, because I feel like it's kind of more on the relaxing side. <laughs> it's not as painful. It's painful, yeah. And, like, it, I still know it's, like, doing so well, I hope it's doing something.
0: <laughs> the only way you can test that is test and retest right and a lot of times that's where people fail well how do i know i'm changing well did you test it prior and did you test it after
1: yeah i'm really bad about that
0: if you didn't if you didn't test retest then you're not going to show any progression right just think of a benchmark for a workout um you know a big thing i see when people do mobility and even in our classes is that to slow them down
2: right yeah
0: right people go so damn fast like Left, right, left, right. Like, they're just rolling, rolling, rolling. Like, that's not – this is not an AMRAP, okay? (laughs) When we're doing mobility, what you really need to do is relax, breathe, and slowly, as slow as you can go, pan left, right. Let's think we're doing our lat. We're going to start right in the armpit area, right where the tricep and armpit meet, and we're going to start rolling there. We're going to go down an inch at a time. As I'm rolling, because I roll all the way almost to my chest – is face down on the roller, right, to get the inside part of the lat and get some of the pec. And I roll almost all the way back to hit the backside of that lat. In between those rolls, I'm trying to find these small little trigger points, okay, and that's what people skip over. When you guys are going so fast, left, right, left, right, uh, you skip right over that and you're actually missing something. When you find that spot, you have to stop, relax, focus on your breathing let your body sink into that. That's why I like rumble rollers. The blue ones are my favorite. And it's because that little nodule, you can get those into some good, pretty damn good areas and it's pretty comfortable to do. And it gets a lot deeper than what a, um, hypervolt will mm-hmm. Right? hypervolts are very limited. Uh, but they're very that still the best mobility tool in my opinion. But, um, when you relax, then you let your body weight, trust me, your body weight is more than enough to drop the hammer on your ass, okay? You got to go methodical. Find those spots. You're looking for these little trigger points. I promise you. Once you tack that down, put your, put your damn arm through range of motion. Bring it down to 90 degrees. Go back all the way up overhead. You know, go down and up, nice and slow. You put your arm through these passive ranges of motion while the muscle and tissues tack down, right? Tack and release. A lot of PTs love that stuff. I love getting it done to me where they pin your muscle down, they stretch it to a point, that feels good. let it go, pin your muscle down, stretch it to point, and then eventually they're tacking and they're the releasing gets now it's hitting full range of motion. Okay, because that muscle is actually being tacked down and put into the end range that it needs to achieve. Right? And in return, it stretches that tissue. Tack and release. I love that shit. Honestly, if I could pay someone every single day. I know. I would pay them.
1: I feel like it makes the biggest difference.
0: Biggest difference. Like when Eric, when he was here all, uh, often, when he would stretch me on the the uh, table, table uh, like my lats, my pecs, and he would actually do that with tack and release, he hits it like... I can't I can't do that. We can't do that. We yeah. can't hit those motions because what do we do? We flare our back. We arch our back. We don't we we puff our chest out, you know. This is like pushing his, you know, pushing down the chest, tacking the muscle, ripping that freaking arm above your head. Like I'm telling you, man, I would literally pay for that to happen. If I could get that done every single day, I can't even imagine what would happen. Like so we need someone.
1: Okay, I'll do it.
0: Yeah. Um so, I would say, guys, take take your time on this mobility. Take your time. Don't just rush through it. Same with the lacrosse ball. When people are doing lacrosse balls, I see them, like, rolling out their back, and they're just, like, going side to side, side to side. So, I'm like, whoa. The lacrosse balls are already tricky anyway because the surface area is so small. Something better, like the size of a softball um, or the supernovas you can get from Rogue. Well, I don't know if you can get anything from Rogue right now, but thank you, Corona. But... Um, those lacrosse balls, they will slip off that tissue. We're trying to get that lacrosse ball to sit on a piece of tissue, pause, slightly go up and down, slightly go left and right, okay? That's what we're trying to do, all right? So, will these tools always work? Are they the end all? No. No, I agree. Dry needling, okay? So, this is what I was talking about earlier. When your, your tissue gets so bound, think, think of this. Eric explained this to me really well. You inter- interlock your fingers, okay, like you're praying, and then you twist them where your fingers are all, like, twisted and shit. Bound up. Bound up. That's what your tissue does. Sometimes this these tools can't get in there and penetrate these areas or can't be precise enough to get into these areas because when you're getting dry needling, it is almost like fishing, right? So I'm in, you know, I asked, you know, in, I don't know. I've been dry myself, right? So hit my quads, and hit these other areas. Hit my forearm and things that are not dangerous. You can buy them off Amazon, but I'm pretty. Um,
1: I wouldn't recommend anybody to no. do that. But he has a lot of knowledge, like in that kind of stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like clearly, because we're talking about a whole podcast. <laughs> but
0: no, just because I'm talking about it doesn't mean I know about it. But I'm I I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna hit areas that to me are pretty accessible that I'm completely confident in for myself. That's quad on the outside, um, adductor, forearm, okay, um, calf, soleus, uh, things like that, but, um, and probably some shoulders. But when you get needling done, okay, understand that when you do this, it's it's really like fishing. It literally is. It's like, if you, ever under, if you never understand why your PT goes through so many needles when you're getting needled, it's because it's very hard. You're trying to literally hit the specific spot and get a trigger or release. Sometimes you put it in there and you get an instant jump. Sometimes you put them in there the needle will bend because it's so tight. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you put it in there and nothing, right? So uh, this will break up the tissue and allows it to unbind, okay? The biggest issue I see with people after they get needled, they're like, oh, yeah, I just got needled. I was like, did you do anything after that? Oh, no, I came here to work out. The biggest issue I see is they're not stretching afterwards. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Okay? When we did our mobility podcast uh, with Eric way back when, uh, one of the things he said I've always just kind of adhered to was, getting needled or doing mobility gives you a – Our window of opportunity to create growth in that muscle, meaning it's bound up, I can't stretch it. It's so bound up I I had to get needled. So once you get needled, stretch that shit. Take that window of opportunity to elongate that muscle and then compound that. You have to keep building that until that tissue kind of resolves back, right? Once you get that back to where your fingers come unfolded and now they're in a groove, now we can get that tissue to elongate, right? So if you get needle, do mobility, then we got to stretch that tissue. Smash and stretch, smash and stretch. I'm not going to drop needles in people here, obviously. I can't, not a PT. Even if I was, I can't line up everybody in the class. Okay, everybody, chest against the wall, you know, I'm going to hit your hamstrings and drop needles in everybody. You can't do it, right? It's not economical it's not even possible i wish it was i really i wish you i wish you could do certain things and get people's bodies ready in a mass we do our best but you know we still miss the mark so stretch the stuff once you get it done and you have to keep building on that right to achieve mobility is no easy task oftentimes we get bogged down in the process right the process is extremely long for some of us, some of you, it's doing two hours or less, right? You're doing 10 hours or less of maintenance a week compared to 40 hours of working out. That's insane. Um Imagine working for 40 hours and sleeping for two.
1: Ugh. Sounds terrible.
0: Sounds terrible. So often we get bogged down in the process because it is a lengthy process. You know, two to three Minutes minimum to create uh, change in the tissue. Um, there's information out there that says anything above five minutes does not create more change. Personally, I see it, it. I I like it. I think I don't care if it's placebo or not. Sometimes it takes me longer on my quad because I'm going in such small increments that it could be six six to eight minutes per quad because I'm going in such small increments, right? Um. So get bogged down. Reasons reasons to this typically means we're either doing it wrong or you're missing the correct area. So we get bogged down because it takes so long and we may not be getting results and it's because we're doing it wrong or we're missing the correct area. So have you ever done mobility and then like really focused on an area and then it doesn't improve?
1: Yep. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun part.
0: Yeah. All right. So, I got a big thing here. You know, if if an area hasn't shown improvement after five to seven days, you're missing the spot. Okay. You got to seek more more advice. Move on. And if this is, if this happens during PT slash Cairo, stop wasting your money. Okay. If they keep treating the treating the same area, you're getting no improvement. Ask questions like, "Hey, why is this not improving? Why is this not working?" Make them think outside the box. Okay, If you're doing stuff that your coach told you, say, hey, this isn't getting any better. Is there something else I can do? Make them think outside the box. A lot of times it's like, you know, sometimes I feel, I guess, I can answer. I listen to things, but sometimes I answer too quickly. But it's not because I'm being uh, egotistical. It's because I, I already know the answer. Why do I know the answer? Because I've had to deal with this thousand times, and very rarely do I miss the mark. But if I do miss the mark, I always tell them, "Hey, this isn't better. Give this give this a week. If it's not better, let me know. We'll we'll try something else." Okay. Um, so, and when you're messing with things like shoulders and and stuff, man, that could be that's such a long process, and there could be so many things. Hips and things are a lot easier quads legs easier okay so don't just keep beating your head against the wall and throwing money at your Cairo pt because that stuff is very expensive all right plus time Mm -hmm. you don't want to spend 45 minutes doing stuff every single day and get nothing out of return right
2: Mm -hmm.
0: quite honestly within three days you should typically feel a little bit better Mm -hmm. right um once mobility and flexibility is reached, the third and most often failed piece is stability. All right. Um, so we put up a Instagram thing on, you know, knowledge on stability mobility. And Jenna read it earlier. Can you read that again?
1: Yeah. One second. Let's see. Wait. Which one? If The gym has it?
0: Um, or how many? The out? knowledge. How much? Oh. It was like 53% said they yeah. know their shit.
1: Yeah, fifty-seven percent of people say that they know what they're doing, and forty-three percent say what's stability. Yeah, um,
0: and then what? Who said that uh, stability was more important? But how many said
1: twenty?
0: Break uh, so
1: forty-four percent.
0: So forty-four percent said that stability was more important, and then. How many people, how many percent said that? 56. So there you go. So 50%, 56% said that they didn't know what, didn't know much about stability. Mm -hmm. But then 40, what, forty some percent 44%. 44% also said that stability was more important than mobility, right? Mm -hmm. And that just goes to show you, like, don't guess about this stuff um, because in all honesty, you won't create change, right? Imagine every day you want to do a strength cycle and you just throw some weights on there um, each day based off how you feel. Mm-hmm. Right. And you do that over eight week period. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be better and stronger than you would if you were taking educated weight decisions, meaning you're basing off a percentage off of a max, are you going to gain more or less strength? Less. Most likely less. Right. Uh, and or you may be going too heavy too often, not building the volume. Blah blah blah. There's a lot that goes behind that, right? So don't guess. Um, mobility. Why is mobility more important? Okay, mobility is more important because you have to be able to reach the end range of motion, like I said earlier, in order to work on stabilizing that joint. If you can't hit end range of motion, that joint's not going to be stable anyways, right? Um, you know, think of a push press. If I do a push press and I hold the weight. It's in front of my head, straight up, okay? Or if I do a push press and I drive my head through, now the weight's on the back side of my shoulder, which one is more stable? Which one could you hold longer?
1: Are you asking me? It's a question. I don't don't know if you're asking me or not.
0: So if you hold weight out here, Jenna. Yeah, I know. Or over here, which one can you hold longer?
1: It's more stable behind.
0: Behind? The head, Behind the right. head yeah. right. So even though it's more stable because the the bones are stacked on top of each other, right? Everything's in a proper alignment. You can still be unstable, and a lot of times I see this on snatch and overhead squat, right? Because uh, while someone's overhead squatting or snatching, I don't. W- I watch the front, but I then circle to the back. I circle to the back because you can see, especially on females, they wear a lot of tanks. You can see all their muscles heavily firing to create stability. Muscles being recruited that normally should not be recruited from rhomboids, um, to the trap, um, those all shouldn't be, they should, they can move, but they shouldn't be firing consistently nonstop. And that's when I start seeing some instability. And then you start looking at the bar and it's, it's, they're fighting the whole position that should, you really shouldn't move too much. Okay. It can move some, but not too, too much, um, So what is stability? All right, major movers and the non-major movers. Rotator muscles, uh, which are the subscapularis, infraspinatus, supraspinatus, and teres minor. Um, those make up your rotators. Um, inflammation, okay, will cause, can and will cause injury. Um, and what? Wi- and inflammation is caused by overuse, which in re- return is caused by lack of mobility, flexibility. So let me read that again. Inflammation can be used or can be caused by injury and inflammation, gosh darn it, I'm sorry guys. Inflammation can cause injury and inflammation is caused by overuse and return is caused by lack of mobility, flexibility. So if you're not mobile and I'm using the joint, okay, I'm gonna start recruiting my rotators, which is now gonna cause them to do too much work for what they're actually meant to do, Mm -hmm. right? Rotate internal, external, okay? When they start getting overloaded, and because they're not used, being used properly, it creates inflammation in the area, soreness. That soreness then, since they're they're in such a tight area, when they start rotating left and right, left and right, and causing and need to become stable and still being recruited, now they start rubbing over each other, other tendons, and or they r- start rubbing over your, some bony imping, like bony impingements could be your uh, clavicle. Um, sometimes you get the bones. We've had nice. a couple of people in here with... Uh, that actually had rotator issues because they have a little spur on their clavicle and just over time that rubs you know, up and down being used. It just rubs over it and then it starts to fray. Then frayness becomes a tear. Tear becomes whatever. Uh, unable to maintain position. Internal rotation. Okay, so unable to maintain position on pull-ups. It causes internal rotations on bar muscle-ups, muscle-ups as well. This will cause you to Dump on the stabilizing muscles. So we talk about lats. If I go overhead with my. Uh, if I'm hanging off the rig. Right. And my lats are tight. It's going to start. I'm going to start dumping internally. When I start slightly dumping internally. I'm going to start hammering those rotator muscles. When those rotator muscles are now being used to do a pull up. It should not. Okay. Or being recruited. They're not all, only doing it. Right. It, they're being recruited. Um, then they become inflamed. That's when we get that front side shoulder issue, right? And causing inflammation is, you know, our bodies are constantly inflamed as CrossFitters. Let's be honest. I know. You know what I mean? Let's just be real, right? So that's why we talk about nutrition. Make sure you're you're eating the right type of carbohydrates, your fluids, your rest, let your body, now we're talking about sleep and how important, how much through the the sleep cycles repair your body. Um, It's all interconnected right, but something that we can't do is just go take an eight-hour nap and go through our aim sleep, right, for that many times before we work out. Um, Sometimes we have to watch what we're eating because, you know, if we get too close to workout like me, I'll go, I'll vomit, right, so we have to make sure all that stuff's done up front. What we can do prior to workout, an hour, 45 minutes prior to, is hit some mobility, stability things on issues that we have, right? The more we can do that, it's like the final piece to ensuring that our bodies are good to go, right? We got to make sure our bodies are good to go. Um, so, when these ligaments are and muscles, uh, sorry, not ligaments. When these muscles become inflamed, okay, they're all in the close proximity. Like I said, they rub on bony structures, and this will cause fraying. So, fraying is that's when you may not realize it. It may be soreness. You won't even know that, and the next thing you know. Frayed muscle, out of position, loaded, catastrophic failure. You got your tear, okay. You got your tear, and then it could be a minor tear, or you could have complete a complete tear, which equally need recover or um, repair. All right. So test for stability. All right. We do some stuff in here. Well, uh, what do you what do you think? You hate upside down kettlebell presses yeah. with a passion, and why do you hate those?
1: Because they're hard.
0: They're hard, but Jen is strong as shit. Right, a lot of times your strong people they struggle with the stability stuff. So, upside down kettlebell presses is another one. Uh, one we do in here. Um, we do light. I use a yellow kettlebell. Jenna's on a blue, I think. I did a yellow. You did a yellow, with your left. I' ah, we'll have to. I ah, will take video of this. Uh, but it's not heavy, even though um, I can push press over 250. The I still struggle doing. I doing a 53 on my left eh, ain't happening for eight by eight by two or eight by eight by three on each arm. Uh,
2: so,
1: Oh wait, are we talking about the walks or the presses? The presses. Okay. The presses I have to do. blue. Oh yellow. Yeah.
0: Okay. Still. So on the presses, um, she uses a blue kettlebell, which is 26. Um, I'm a 35. We have a uh, pack and do a 53, I believe. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, but it doesn't take much rotators. If you go back to gym class or high school like sports, they do the two and a half pound like shoulder circles. You yeah. ever do it? like you do like just let it hang and let it rotate, and then you do the opposite, counterclockwise and clockwise. The little uh, uh, lay lateral on the bench, and then you just do like external rotations with that two and a half pound. It doesn't take much. While we're getting in those positions, we're isolating the rotators to help strengthen them. Now we have other tools that we can do that we're going to already talk about. So um, upside down uh, kettlebell walking, that's what she's talking about. You can go a little bit heavier on these. Um, so it's a nice cadence. Um, we usually go 60-foot one arm and then switch, and we'll do that for three rounds. Um, and that just creates a unstable platform, right? So to create stability, we have to create an unstable platform for the joint, okay, whatever joint we're hitting. In, in return, creating an unstable platform causes you to use stability and create stability in that joint, right? Adding load to that, a light load, when you create instability that requires stability, that's how you get stronger stabilizing muscles, all right? This can be really good for a warm-up of snatch, can be a warm-up for overhead squat, um, anything like that. So why is stability often overlooking CrossFit gyms gyms in general? What do you think?
1: I think they're not taught that, obviously. Like, when you're going to go get your L1, yourself not like, Absolutely
2: something,
1: not. <laughs> something that's taught. And, two, I think, like, you can get by without doing it. For a period of for time. For a period of time. So, like, it's not totally necessary, like, initially. I mean, you might be able to, like you said, if you're doing just, like, body weight stuff or really light stuff, you might be able to... Get away with not doing it, but not going to be strong and you have a higher chance of Injury. hurting yourself. Yet. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. Uh, yeah, I think it's lack of knowledge. Um uh, To be quite honest with you, uh, I didn't have the knowledge of stability for a very, very long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, probably, probably the last three years, we've been incorporating it roughly. But prior to that, you got to think, I went three years. Without incorporating it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's it's one of those moments where you're like, yeah, you're stupid. Because I knew about it. I know that we need st- stability. I mm-hmm. just didn't like. Dig into it. I didn't dig into it. And I didn't have really good resources, right? So over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of, like you said, free information online. There's a, a lot of good websites. I'm going to have our Instagram places. I'm going to have Jenna tag that on this with the episode. We'll have it tag the ones that I use and I kind of share with everybody, um, from tools, from AccuMobility, uh, to Squat University, to, um, MoveU, and I got Lou as well that I use. They all offer some really good things and Barbell Physio. Uh, so we'll link those guys up. So, uh, not having the knowledge, you really can't teach it, right? Um, but doesn't mean that if you don't have the knowledge, you should not find it out, right? Mm-hmm. Stability is that important. Your strongest athletes can be the weakest in stability, Jenna. When you put both together, then this dramatically reduces chances for injury. So she's very strong. She has her big movers. She's a strong female athlete. Um, but when we, if she has weak stability, right, in her hips or her shoulders, that weak stability is actually going to Over time, start getting these nagging, what we call nagging injuries, these nagging issues, right? Then they got hit a reset button. And it's hard for people that are really good athletes to hit pause and go back and work on the small things. The only time they ever want to go back and hit pause and work on the small things is after what? You're hurt. After you're hurt. Only after you're hurt. It only takes one injury and then they're like, screw this. I just lost six weeks or more, uh, of training, and now they're going to start investing in time. 99% of the people that I've ever worked with have had an injury, didn't treat stability, flexibility, mobility as a priority prior to. Post-injury, now it's a huge priority. Mm-hmm. Warm-up's a priority. Stability, mobility, flexibility, is a priority and it has to be right we're about to attack something with everything that we have and we have the opportunity to get our bodies in the best possible position to attack this and in return our times are going to improve right if you're stable overhead you have the mobility good mobility overhead and your flexibility is on point and you have a lot of overhead movements that day let's say it's heavy and muscle up bring muscle ups and it's uh a shoulder overhead and you got a heavy pull in there somewhere um you're going to want to make sure that your shit's on point, right? Because we want performance. Sometimes our performance will decrease dramatically if our bodies are not right. Have you ever had that happen? Your body's just not good to go and then your performance is crap.
2: Yep. <laughs>
1: we did that the other day.
0: <laughs> we both did. You're right. And how frustrating is that?
1: Yeah, it's annoying.
0: Right, we talked about how important CrossFit is to us. We got this like one moment of a day that we're gonna go attack this and let's say it's something we're gonna do Amanda. And Jenna has a really good Amanda time and I was talking smacked that I was gonna try to take her on this one. It wasn't gonna happen, but I was still running my mouth. <laughs> and uh We didn't get a lot of warm up. We did some. But
1: I felt we mobilized a lot, but we were both really, really sore.
0: I don't remember yeah, we Everybody were... from the gym was sore. I don't know why.
1: Yeah. It was uh, something there's like lats and stuff.
0: But anyways, um we uh we thought we were ready and we weren't. <laughs> so all this build up. And then you can't do it because it feels like things are gonna detach from your body. That's always a bad sensation. All right. Mm-hmm. So it's very frustrating when that happens. So I got a good test. So we got a so we gotta build strength building strength through stability, right? So a good test for that for me, in my opinion, is hang on hang off the rig. Activate your lats by pulling down on the on the uh pull up bar, okay? Can you hold this position? Right? So we say uh active, activate your lats, hold. We say uh what do we do? Contract and release. Yeah. So Which is
1: really hard if like like you think that it would easy be easy, yeah, but it's actually kinda of hard. Think, so, well, the pull-up rig thing. is. I think the banded, like, uh, stretch Armstrong thing with, like, pulling your lat down, that's hard yes, for me. Yes, you're
0: right. Yeah, to to, to single off that lat. But hanging off the rig, think of you're going to try to go in a hollow position. So don't have the turtleneck, right, where your turtle head, where your head's lost into the traps. We're going to activate our lats, pull down, head should be high above the traps, and we're going to hold that position, right? How can you hold that position, and how long can you hold it? That's a good test, right? Mm-hmm. I want you to compare that to the max set of pull-ups you can do, and then that time that you're under tension. Meaning, if your max set of pull-ups takes you 50 seconds, can you hold this position for 50 seconds? Right, without doing a pull-up. Mm-hmm. If you if you can hold this position for 10 seconds, but your max set lasts 50 seconds, we got problems. That means 40 seconds of your max pull-ups. You're out of position. You're out of position. Your at, lats aren't activated. scaps aren't activated. You create an internal rotation. And then guess what you're going to do? You're going to hurt your shoulder, right? Um, so if they don't compare, you're weak in this position. You eventually will have that parentheses, you know, shoulder issue um, hands down, all right? So Kippy and Butterfly's pull-ups are really cool until they aren't, <laughs> right? They're awesome to do. But we gotta make sure there's a step into that. You know, we start everybody here with strict banded. Um, we do some strict pull up work, but I'm still on people like Jenna. Like we try to sacrifice too much to go too fast, but lose position. In return, if we can hold position, maintain position, we're in a strong position, we're gonna be fresher on the back end because we're recruiting less muscles. The less muscles that we need to do a movement, the fresher we're gonna be in the end of the wad, right? Less moving parts in the beginning. Uh, will allow you to have that extra gear at the backside of the workout, all right? So how can we strengthen this? Crossover symmetry to me is number one. It's expensive. Uh, Invest in a set, though, if you can. Uh, If you do that on a day I know, and you know this too, if we do this on a daily basis, is it dramatically different going overhead?
1: Yeah, but it's boring.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's boring. It takes how long? Mm, Five minutes. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it takes five minutes. So boring. Who wants to sacrifice? It is. It, is. it takes five minutes, though. Why is it boring? Because it's not a heavy barbell. No, right? it's just... It's
1: not, I don't know. I don't know why I don't like it.
0: Well, you need it. So you need some crossover <laughs> in your life. And so do I. Because...
1: I think I, everybody really should. Everybody I would should. tell people to do it. Yeah. But I just <laughs> don't, don't do want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> if
0: I could honestly afford... Um, I can't. If I could justify 12 sets... And have them attached to the wall somewhere I would do it yeah but they're 300 bucks a piece so yeah yeah so we do cheaper things like one set banded pull parts mm-hmm. yeah uh so crossover symmetry uh banded pull parts this is with a I think a pull-up band right that you do pull-ups with on the rig um, and we do that with a pause we do it out front so big thing on symmetry crossover symmetry and banded pull parts you got to pull the shoulder blades together, so you squeeze your lat or shoulder blades together. Then you pull apart, isolating those muscles. Only use a band that you can achieve proper position. We like to do two-second pause in the back with a slow release and a touch and, touch and go out front. Uh, we do two to three sets of ten of these out front, and sometimes overhead, upside uh, kettlebell work. That's another one I really think you can do presses. Um, that's a that's a really good one in my opinion. Um, but through all, all of this, we kind of neglected one thing and that's lower half instability, right? You've had a lot of experience with this, mm-hmm. right? So you, Jenna hasn't had a lot of shoulder per se issues. Um, knock on wood. Yeah. No, please do. Good God. Um, I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. and, um, but her lower half has been the problem, right? We talked earlier, became quad dominant, uh, a few years ago, it was my fault i didn't catch it mm-hmm. and um <laughs> wow and um it's been a problem ever since right and what what do you do what do you think now about lower half stability cuz you do a lot of that instead of upper
1: um well i think i think a lot of times when we're thinking like lower half stability it's Like, weighted stuff, but you can do... I did a lot of Jane Fonda exercises that just...
0: uh, Explain to them what Jane Fonda exercises are.
1: So, I did... It's a lot of... um, I don't really know how to explain it. Like, it's almost like Pilates, I feel like.
0: Toe circles.
1: Yeah, I did, like, some of that, too. And it's, like, a lot of bracing, kind of. Um, I did core work, glute stuff. Um, the hip one is like, so let's say you're sitting on your, you get like go on your knees and then sit down, bring one leg out and then you're doing like a hinging motion. I did a ton of that and I still think, I think I, I do, I still do those, but I still think I need to do no, Those like, your descriptions. I'm just laughing more. at that. Oh, Cause <laughs> I'm trying to like think of how to tell people. So you're
0: on both knees. Yeah. Vertical chest. Yeah. Yeah. Not on all fours.
1: Yeah, you get yeah.
0: You step your right leg out. Yeah. Right? Like
1: you're doing like an adductor stretch. Yeah. And, and then, then you, you hinge down and bring your chest down.
0: <laughs> Maybe we need to put a video up of this because yeah. your descriptions are pretty bad. That's a hard Sorry. one to describe though. Right? Is, yeah. If this was like Pictionary or whatever, you yeah, would lose. Yeah, you'd lose. Um, anyways, yeah. But yeah, so it doesn't take weight, okay? We only add weight, a little bit of weight, to cause more what in the joint? Instability, right? We cause a little bit more instability, we'll create a little bit more stability. And I think that's people will get lost. Oh, I need the 70 pound kettlebell for the single leg kettlebell deadlift and holds. No. Yeah. 53 is more than enough and your little butt cheek will shake like a mother. And um, so lower half instability, uh, this happens just as much. Tight glutes will cause the knees to swim when loaded. External rotation is limited due to flexibility and flexibility can be limited by mobility, which in return creates an unstable hip. So, and you get that hip shift, you shift away from that unstable hip. So to go back on that one, remember external rotation Okay, knees going out. Everybody hears it. knees out, knees out. A lot of times you can't. You know why? Because you're freaking, it's too tight. Your ab- abductors are tight. You're freaking, your freaking, your, your glute, your piriformis <laughs> is tight. And you're like, knees out. Push them out. I can't. I am. And that's why I hear. you. I am. Okay, so when, that, when I say, hey, push your knees out next time. I was really, well, I'll test it. Okay. Well, I'm good to the bottom of the squat, have them drive their knees out and see if they can hold that position. Mm-hmm. Right? When we're light. And uh, if they can are like, okay, we got some glute issue because when you go to push them out, you're loading an already loaded muscle. They're going to swim in. Mm-hmm. If, your ad, if your abductors are really tight and you drive them out, once they hit maximal load at the peak position, they're going to swim in. But you're going to swim right back out because you don't want to get yelled at by your coach, right? So external rotation is limited due to flexibility, flexibility as in the piriformis. Uh, stretching your uh, glute med, uh, glute max piriformis, getting that hip stretch, okay? Uh, and the flexibility can be limited by mobility, okay? So uh, if my hip joint isn't mobile, okay, it can cause me to be not flexible in that position. Then mobility in return creates an unstable platform in, a mo- in mobility. So if I don't have mobility in the hip, then I'm going to be unstable. So they are all tied together, and you get that weird hip shift. Um, If you've ever had it, where you squat down, when you go to stand up, you do a slight shift to the left or the right. You really have, whichever way you're shifting towards, the opposite side is the injury. Mm -hmm. FYI, because your body's getting away from it. it. There's a weakness, right? So we're shifting away from the weakness. If you see that as a coach, that you're listening to this, you see your friend doing this, video it and show them because they're not going to, most of the time they're not going to feel it. Sometimes they will, but most of the time they won't, all right?
1: That's also, like, the hard part when you're still training, like, through an injury, I guess, is because then you start to compensate other things. Because yes. when I was still, like, trying to squat, um, I would, like, shift all the weight to my right side because my left side was hurt, but and now my right side is messed up. Yeah, now my right side is messed up.
0: Yeah, you'll get that like that. 70 30 squat or 60 40 squat, where you're under say you're let's just say you're under 200 pounds, right? That means you know 70% of that's going to be on your right side, which it's not meant to be, and only 30% on the opposite side, right? Because it's weak and your body knows it's weak, but you're saying, Hey, body, squat. So it's like, Okay, I'll squat, but I'm not squatting on this one because it's going gonna to blow an o ring on this side, oh. right? Don't want to blow the old o ring. Oh. So <laughs> that's what's important, is yes you can still work out and it can be frustrating but you cannot continue to keep overloading one specific side because the other side is an issue because what happens now you got to treat the the new side okay get rid of that and then go back to original point of injury and I was just talking to a guy about this in our gym yesterday you know he's having some glute issues but I always thought that his point of injury wasn't his glute it was uh, erector, whatever, it was secondary, and sure enough, after about t- 10 days to two weeks of working some single leg kettlebell stuff, um, and things like that, now his point of injury is his lower lumbar region, and that, to me, is now he's on the primary, original cause of the injury, and his glute was all secondary, because what, he he they were recruiting. They weren't they weren't supposed to be doing what they're doing. They're doing more of the work, got an injury mm-hmm. potentially. That's what I usually see, all right? So, uh Romanian deadlifts are really good for creating stability and building strength inside that joint, isolating. Single kettlebell deadlifts, I think these are one of the best, right? Um, you do right foot's planted, left foot's going to go straight back. Uh kettlebell's going to be in the left hand opposite side of where her foot's planted, okay, you just deadlift these up, make sure you have external rotation on the, on the knee, uh, when you go down on a slight touch, um, a really hard thing is to hold this without the kettlebell touching the floor, so you'll deadlift it up, slowly lower it, external rotation, you're going to hold that for a 10 count, okay, and then switch, do that for three rounds. Make sure your knee doesn't cave in. You'll see a lot of work. It doesn't take a heavy kettlebell. Start out really light. And um, your
1: glutes are going to yeah, be on your
0: fire. Fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, banded walks, put them around your ankles. Um, just walk normally. Don't let them come in. You put them around your knees, do side shuffles or whatever. There's a lot out there, like we said. Um, all these will not only activate your glutes, but get the small external rotator muscles inside the glute strong and allow you to shoot up out of that squat and without the double knee cave, right? So. Creating the stability, the strength, building strength in the stability uh, portion, um, having in range of motion with great mobility and have the flexibility to achieve a position—they um, all go hand in hand. Okay, so lower back, abductors, outside the quad and hip flexor can all be injured just from an unstable, weak glute, right? Plus your ego. So if your glutes are weak. Uh, your lower back is can be injured. Your abductors can because it's dumping. You're going to get a knee swim in. They're going to be recruited too much. To squat outside part of your quad. Everybody says, "Oh, it's my IT band." Well, there's no. It's not IT band. Okay. Uh, take IT IT band. Go slightly above that where your quad meets. That's your problem. Don't think it's your IT band. It's actually your quad. Spend a lot of time with that. If you got a rumble roller, uh, get on that. If you are having outside quad issues, which will cause knee issues. Um, you get some needles dropped in there. Your PT will love to watch your ass jump off the table, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, and ego, right? Jenna said this earlier. It's hard to, when you become injured, to kind of stay focused and get past it because you're doing things that you don't want to do, right? She doesn't want to do crossover symmetry, but she said she would recommend it to everybody.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. This is how great it is. I'm gonna recommend to every person I talk to how great it is, but I don't want to spend five minutes doing it. Mm -hmm. But she'll she'll do her Jane Fonda every single day, right? Yep. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Dumbass. Uh. So we had an IG question. Uh. We pull. How many have injured themselves in CrossFit slash training? Have you ever injured yourself in CrossFit? Never. Seriously? Yeah. Okay. I have two. Um. How would they say on the IG?
1: 73% of people said yes, they've injured themselves, and 27% said no. So 35 said yes, 13 said no, which is still quite a lot.
2: Yeah.
0: I was expecting it to be a lot more.
2: hmm
0: So that's interesting to me. I thought it would be 85-plus percent because, honestly, let's be honest. Do injuries happen in CrossFit? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. All right. Does that make CrossFit dangerous? Mm-hmm.
1: Ooh. I think anything could be dangerous if you don't really know what you're doing. <laughs>
0: right. Just because you become injured in CrossFit doesn't make CrossFit dangerous. Because my injuries in CrossFit weren't because of CrossFit. It, honestly, it's losing position, not having stability, pushing through something. I hate that. Don't do that. All right. Um, and is it really an injury? There's an injury, we got inflammation in an area. We just need rest. I know rest is hard to hear uh, for a lot of people because they're doing five hours plus a week and only doing two hours or less of maintenance per week. So, rest and maintaining your body are not on your guys' level. Um, I don't think you should schedule rest, like I've said in the past, but uh, listen to your body. If it's jacked up, you're all inflamed, take a freaking rest day, eat some food, drink a lot of water, sleep,
1: eat a pizza. Eat a
0: pizza. It causes inflammation, but eat the pizza.
1: Yeah, that- but I just feel like the grease just, like, gets in your bones. And it
0: just- <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> it just gets in your good. bones. It gets in your bones, all right. This and It makes them good. grow. This feels you must good. have bones in your gut.
1: Sometimes you just, like a hangover, like you just need some grease. You, <laughs> you just, just need, need some grease some in grease. your life? Hey, you just need some greasy bones. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if you ever whip out a jar of grease and take a spoonful, Ew. then I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Your snack bags are no longer welcome. So what do you do if you're androgena-like?
1: You cry. <laughs> you post about it. And you <laughs> uh, No, I mean, I took some time off, kind of. I still came. I always tell people, like, I think fitness in general, like, it's so easy to get out of a routine. Anything worth it, I guess, like nutrition or fitness in general. If you stop doing it for a while, it's just hard so to get back into it. So I still came, obviously, and would hang out and do my exercises and do whatever I could, even if it was, like, upper body or to a box or whatever.
0: And mope. She'd mope. Yeah,
1: and mope because I was sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, So I would still recommend at least coming and doing something and definitely resting and just giving yourself some grace, I guess, even though I didn't do that.
0: What's one big thing you focused on once you became injured? We talking about earlier.
1: Mm, I just focused on what I could do, really, which was trying to mobilize and stabilize.
0: Yeah. Work on our body, maintaining our body. Like it's, It should never take an injury to do it, but sometimes it's like you're crushing it, you're killing yeah. it, and the next thing you know, you can't. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, you're 30 pounds under what you used to lift. Next thing you know, people are skyrocketing past you that were way behind you in certain lifts. Now you're getting into the mental side of an injury, right? We're not talking about the physical side anymore. Injury is just as much mental as anything. It will pull you to the depths of hell. You have your good days. You have your bad days. You have a lot more bad days than good days. And you got your own ego that you got to let go because people are passing you because they're – you know, they're not injured and they've been able to hit four or five squat cycles in a row and you've barely hit one. Um and that's what we've talked about in the past. You really gotta focus on the stability stuff. You gotta focus on what you can do, get really, really good at that, and then in the end you're gonna be stronger than you ever were before. Mm-hmm. If you have the wrong mentality, <clears throat> Jenna
2: Um,
0: then it can it can be a longer process. Yep. And I think that's where Jenna's kind of has fallen before is you're doing great. You're crushing it, hitting all the PRs. You're just the best shape of your life and then boom.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And what could cause you is uh, to get out of shape is the, you know, she did come, but does she hit the workouts the same? No, because her body, she's always apprehensive, which is understandable when you have injury. You kind of you don't trust yourself, you don't trust your body, and then in return you go slower, okay? And then slower you go, you don't hit as fast. We've talked about this. There's a compounding effect. So if you don't hit stuff as fast and hard as you typically typically do and can, your fitness is going to drop. And it's not because she doesn't put in work; it's because she can't hit the work the same, right? So and then trying to like cope with modifying, right? Which is hard for sometimes for people to get past, gotta get past yourself, modifying and try to get the same stimulus. Why? Because we can still stay in really good shape. We're not gonna be in ultimate shape, but you're gonna be in better shape if you if you get the same stimulus and you back it down a little bit, right? So um, I got a disclaimer here. If your coach is on your on their phone during warm ups, mobility slash stability time, call them out or leave the gym. There's no reason they should be on their phone, checking their Instagram Sending messages, texting people, whatever, when you're they gotta make sure you're doing something right. This isn't a study hall for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. You do whatever you want. They should be watching you. Make sure you aren't rolling over the muscle too fast. Make sure you are in proper position when you're doing stability work. Make sure you are not bending your knee if you are trying to stretch a proper area. Okay. If they're on their phones during class, same applies. Coaches walk around their phone, and they're messaging people, and they're taking selfies and stupid shit.
1: Punch them in the privates.
0: Right in the junk. Yep. All right. And then uh, online sources for help. I kind of listed them earlier. Jenna will put the old tag in there, and uh, I think you guys should follow them, uh, only because I do. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, it's They
1: really do have a lot of good stuff. Great
0: free information. Accumobility.com. Uh, New to the scene for me, newer to the scene for me. They've probably been around for a bit. Uh, started buying their product. They have some really good products um, that you don't see out. But my favorite thing about them is, first off, other products great. But second is they show you how to use it, right? You got overhead issues, use this, do this, and they have a video and what it achieves. And they have diagrams. It's, it's the best free information out there. As far as how to use a tool. Because a lot of times you get the tools and you really. People don't like, know how to. What do to I use... do with this? Thing? Right. They show you how to do it. I think that was critical for them being
1: successful. But Another uh, tip. I have oh. a tip. So if you have a lot of different sore parts of your body. Um, if you go. Like if you're on Instagram. And you see a post. I'm sure most people know this. So, I have, um, you can like save posts, you know, um, with the little flag thing. Yeah. But if you hold it, you can create like folders kind of. Did not so know that. So, I have back, knee. Oh, wow. Foot, shoulder. Are you shitting me? Hips.
0: Why have you never told me this?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just <laughs> didn't think about it. But I have glute, core. All right. Knee, lymphatic system. <laughs> wow. I have all of it, so basically what you do, like, when you, like, want to save a post, you hold it, hold the little flag in the bottom right-hand so corner, right and then you can save to and create a folder. Do
0: you know how many hours I've wasted
1: Like going back and going back
0: it? to send someone a DM because of an area?
1: Yep. Well, oh my there God. you go. That's all you gotta do. But I can uh, do, like, a video if you guys want to see that, too, so you can see... <laughs> How to save each one, but it's really helpful too. It's kind of like Pinterest, but it is so
0: helpful that I didn't tell that she didn't tell me, and it will save you hours of looking through because I've spent hours scrolling back and forth trying to to find one specific thing for one specific person about uh, one specific issue. But, uh, guys, look, maintain your body, it's that simple. We use them, we want to use them, we want to continue to use them. Uh, don't blame injury because of volume don't bl- blame injury because of crossfit don't blame injury because of anything else if you are spending less than 2 hours a freaking week on your body that's just insane to me like you have to maintain it if you if you feed it and you sleep and you do all this other stuff but you're not maintaining it because you're cruising you're only Going to be cruising until you get hurt, and it's going to be a catastrophic failure. And I've seen it and happen countless people that I know on the IG. I feel like you
1: can predict it too.
0: I, dude, I've seen it and I've called it out. Yeah, there's time drives that agent. The person can get injured. Guarantee it. Yeah, guarantee it. And it's how they're moving. I'm watching the movement <sighs> power.
1: Or we watched a video. Um, someone like posted like, haven't been able to do this for a while because my back has been hurting. And then they like posted a video, and it's like, no shit. No, I wonder why your back's been freaking hurting <laughs> like I, <it's> so bad.
0: <laughs> I I don't laugh at people because of the yeah. As long as they know, po- it's like they're co- it's, it's it's coaching. They're like, coaching, filming it, and they say good job. Yeah. That just the imagine a train wreck times a thousand, and this person had an injury they just came off of, and I'm like, yep, no fucking wonder. Like. You're, this is allowed on a daily basis like under maximal loads too like this is not right like there I've not had the the sweetest sexiest always PR lifts mm-hmm. right but you know what I don't do I don't do that again I don't take a that I don't take a whack ass PR I don't take a an ugly lift I back that down what I hit prior to that that was smooth and that was legit that's what I work off of because I'm not going to hit a one once-in-a-lifetime freaking lift and then be stuck there for two years because I can never achieve that again because the freaking stars align right and I had enough grease in my bones or some shit like Jenna.
1: (laughs) Maybe that was your problem.
0: (laughs) I didn't have no grease in my bones. But take care of your bodies, guys. They will come back and bite you, and then you're going to look for everything to blame but yourself and reality it's your own damn fault. Yep. Right. So
1: here's our Patreon peeps. We got
0: Patreon peeps.
1: Here's our, here's our swag box people. We, we have added. one
0: swag box left. That's it.
1: Yep. So uh, the join. link is in our bio if you want. Next
0: one's add. coming out in September. September. That's crazy. Ugh, I can't believe this. Go ahead.
1: I know. Okay. Uh, David Luke Grapp, Jerry Ricciardi, Gareth Crowther, Natasha Bulling, Meg Mayhem, Jamie Metcalf, Michaela Braddock. And Natalie Schoening.
0: And... uh, Jenna's friend that sticks up for her.
1: Yeah, Team Jenna. And our other peeps. Steven Liptak. Monica Christian. LaVonna Holyfield. Adam Bowen. Ryan Berguy. Brody Mays. Yeah. Michelle Rowell. And last but not least, Rick Terry. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, thank you guys all uh, yes, for everything you. and um,
1: I have no idea what will be in this next box well actually I do I, we have some ideas we've talked about
0: yep and uh, don't forget you guys have not subscribed you have not left a written review we need those things setting 102 I'd like to get that to 110 bring it on baby
1: or you're gonna get banned I just don't I just don't know why people wouldn't want to
0: review our shit lazy <laughs> <laughs> Have you reviewed
1: it? Yes, uh, I, don't, I was the very first one before I was even on the show. Literally, right. I was the very first person to review and write a review.
0: It, when you're back, you're just the photographer. Yep. Now I'm the photographer. Now I'm the IG guy. Now I'm the tech support.
1: Yeah, you do it all. <sighs> <laughs>
0: all right, I'm out. See you guys. Bye.